What's up, everybody? It's JR back with another episode of Three Things with JR, recording late at night on Memorial Day. It's Monday, May 31st, 2021. This is episode number 59 of the podcast. Been doing this for over a year with no plans to stop anytime soon. And as a uh, longtime and recent listeners of the show can attest, it's uh, it's gotten more fun here lately as I've just been cold calling people and putting them on the show, whether they like it or not. Actually, it's I've had nobody say no, but I give everybody an out. Like if uh, if I cold call you and you don't want to be on my podcast, just tell me that. It's fine. But uh, I definitely cold called somebody tonight and they were fine with it. And it was my dad. I, my dad, Eldon Michael Stoffel, is the guest surprised guest uh, for the show tonight. Uh, I wanted to talk to dad uh, because... One, I just haven't talked to him in the last few weeks, and I wanted to call Dad and have a chat. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll bet people that have listened to Three Things with JR might have questions. How's my dad doing since he got COVID? Uh, where is he in life right now? How is his life different since COVID? Uh, what's going on with that very interesting man uh, that is my dad? He lives in Emmitsburg, Iowa. Uh, he used to live with me. Uh, he's uh, he's had quite a full life, and he's still going strong. Uh, COVID almost got him back in the winter, but it didn't. And I thought people might like an update. Uh, also, being Memorial Day, Dad is a veteran. He was uh, on a naval destroyer uh, in the Navy in the Western Pacific during Vietnam. He is a veteran of a foreign war. He's a member of the VFW and several other organizations. He is a veteran, and uh, he has uh, mixed feelings on uh, his status as a veteran and Veterans Day and Memorial Day and, uh, and all of that. We talked a little bit about the difference in the two holidays and, uh, and what they mean to him. And they probably mean something different to my dad than they do to somebody uh, who was uh, in the trenches, in the, in the boots on the ground, as dad says. Uh, probably means something different to uh, to our soldiers that really uh, were in the thick of the of the fighting, whereas Dad was pretty safe on a ship uh, out in the Pacific Ocean during that time, and so he's got he's got some thoughts on that. We'll hear about that here in the interview. Um, this is also uh, Dad's going to get uh, really into talking about God, uh, which is totally fine with me. Uh, because of all the Christians I know, Dad seems to be the most genuine and uh, and real when it comes to his Christianity, and uh, I don't mind at all uh, hearing Dad. Uh, and we are at a pretty good point. We used to argue all the time about uh, religious stuff, uh, especially when I uh, realized I was an atheist and, uh, I was a little snarky about things and, uh, dad paid the price for me being a snarky atheist there for a while. Not so snarky anymore. I'm totally cool with what people want to believe. And this is not a, you know, an atheist themed podcast. So I don't mind at all. Uh, you may remember two weeks ago, I talked to Dean Farrell. He was a pastor in the church I used to go to. Uh, he uh, And then talking to Dad, I knew when I asked him to come up with three things that it was going to be something having to do with Jesus, God, 
his relationship, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I have no problem with that. So in case anybody's wondering, I'm totally cool with all that stuff. Uh, and uh, it doesn't happen to be who I am personally. And obviously, I have very different feelings on the whole thing. But, uh, you know, for whatever works for you is fine with me. And it seems to be working for dad. So uh, dad also began the interview tonight without his teeth in his mouth. And we ended the interview without his teeth in his mouth. Uh, but for the most of the interview, his teeth are in his mouth. Yes, he wears dentures. And I caught him literally right after he was taking a shower. And uh, he hadn't put his teeth back in yet. And so you might be able to tell. If you listen carefully, you can tell. Uh, we talked about it, so it's obvious when he puts his actual teeth in. But you'll be able to tell that he sounds a little different without his teeth than he does with his teeth. And uh, as a person who, at least for now, still has most of his teeth, uh, I don't yet know what that's like. So uh, it's got to be interesting. Uh, but he did not want to be on the show uh, without his teeth in his mouth. So uh, I let him. I gave him. Uh, I gave him a moment to go ahead and. Put those chompers back in, and he absolutely did. Uh, all right, so we're going to get to that here in a few minutes. I would like to start. Uh, be uh, before we do that, I want to give you my own three things. And I was just so amped up after talking to Dad that I didn't. I haven't written anything down, so I don't know what the three things are going to be uh, when I uh, when I start doing them. But here we go. Thing number one. Yeah, yeah, I do actually do know what they're going to be. I know what this at least this first one is going to be. And it uh, it was it's thing number one, something deep, something meaningful. How about this? Don't drink and drive, people. Uh, on my way home tonight, I went to a movie with uh, with Kiki, my girlfriend, uh, and driving home uh, on some pretty curvy country roads. Uh, the in fact, the same road I hit a deer on on my motorcycle a few years back. On that road, I encountered at least two. Drivers who were clearly not driving correctly. I can say that objectively. I kind of feel like they were probably drunk. Uh, the, the car I was following would sometimes go five miles an hour and sometimes go 60 miles an hour. Uh, sometimes would be on the right side of the road, sometimes completely on the left side of the road. This is a road with no yellow lines in the middle. So I guess uh, I guess it was a little uh, he wasn't sure where to be and uh, unsure how fast to be going. And it didn't occur to me that he was probably drunk until the second drunk driver coming the other direction uh, almost hit that guy because they were both kind of in the middle of the road. And I had to sort of edge over almost onto the shoulder of which there is no shoulder. It's really just a ditch. Uh, but I had to edge over and the car coming towards me clearly had already sideswiped some stuff because it was uh, the side of the car had lots of scrapes and bumps and stuff in it. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that person is having a rough time getting home. I don't think that's how we're supposed to be memorializing our fallen soldiers, right? That's what today, Memorial Day, is all about, is honoring those who have died in the line of duty uh, fighting in the American Armed Forces. So uh, maybe maybe people are having a tough time with Memorial Day. I get that, right? Uh, it can be very sad to think about those that you've lost, um, but I think a better way to memorialize them might be to uh, not drive home drunk and potentially kill more people. So there's my deep thought. That was thing number one for me. 
please get home safe or don't go home until you can get home safe rather than driving home late at night uh, and uh, potentially killing some people. So there you go. Don't drink and drive. Ooh, big, big news, right? Uh, All right. Let's try to do thing number two. Thing number two. We went and saw a movie tonight. Uh, It was a pretty cool movie. And in that movie uh, was a Tom Jones song, Delilah. It was kind of featured in the movie. More on that in a little bit. But what's inspiring me right now, on the way home from the movie, all I could think about was the CD I used to own. I probably still do own it. It's in a box in my basement. I don't listen to CDs anymore, and neither do you. Uh, but, uh, that CD, that album is of course available for streaming. Uh, it's simply a greatest hits album of Tom Jones, the best of Tom Jones. It came out in like the late nineties and, uh, I owned that CD back then. And I, I know all the words to a lot of Tom Jones songs cause I really burned the hell out of that CD. Love it. And, uh, I had just had to listen to that CD, which is Basically, the best of Tom Jones from, I think it's like 1997. It's got a ton of great songs on it. Uh, It's Not Unusual, uh, The Green Green Grass of Home, uh, Detroit, excuse me, Detroit City, uh, uh, What's New Pussycat, uh, and the song that was featured in the movie we saw tonight, Delilah. Uh, And man, that guy's got an amazing voice. Uh, And I love having no one else in the car with me. And cranking up Tom Jones uh, so loud that I am singing along at the top of my lungs. And to me, with my stereo as loud as it can go, I sound like Tom Jones. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. It's pretty epic. Uh, I wish you could have heard it. I mean, you can't. You're not. I don't do the show from my car with my stereo on at the top of its lungs uh, yelling out Tom Jones songs. But, man, if you could have been in the car with me, it would have been pretty awesome. But uh, you weren't. So there. Uh, So that's thing number two. Tom Jones. uh, I'm kind of feeling it right now. There you go. Thing number three. Uh, So the movie we went and saw uh, called Dream Horse. Uh, I've been to the movies before to see horse movies. Uh, Typically, I am attending these movies not because I desire to see movies about horses, but because people I know desire to see movies about horses. One of my fondest memories as a father was taking my uh, my horse-crazed daughter, Allison, to see Flicka when it came out in the movie theaters, uh, early 2000s. Uh, Tim McGraw and uh, other people. Uh, it was great. Uh, it was a fantastic movie. We loved it. It's one of our fondest memories together, uh, going to see horse movies. And this movie was fantastic. Uh, I, I, my girlfriend Kiki was out of town for the last five days. She literally pulled into town, put the horses in the barn, went to the other barn, put more horses in that barn. And then I picked her up and we went to the movie to see dream horse, uh, which is a really good movie. It's based on a true story. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you all about that because that's not the point of this. It was a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. It is a comedy drama, true story uh, about a horse in England and the people that own this racehorse. So uh, I recommend it. Just just go see it. Uh, And the Tom Jones song Delilah featured heavily in the movie, uh, especially during the end credits. It was pretty cool. Um, But the but the stupid part or the silly part, what makes this appropriate for thing number three is that uh, Kiki and I got to the movie theater 
And in the row behind our seats was my daughter and my ex-wife. So tonight, for the first time ever, I saw a horse movie in the movie theater with my girlfriend, my daughter, and my ex-wife. And you know what? It was awesome. It was great. Uh, I I loved it. We were able to uh, to there was nobody else, hardly anybody else in the theater. So we were able to whisper things and talk and say stuff and make fun of the movie and make fun of each other and have a good time. It was actually a really, really nice time watching this movie. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I love the fact that, uh, I'm at that place in a relationship with all of these people that we can hang out and do fun stuff and it's, uh, and it's fine. So, uh, shout out to Angela, Allison, and Kiki, uh, f- and myself, because we just uh, killed it by having a great time at the movie theater tonight, uh, and then luckily all made it home uh, because and not got killed by a drunk driver. So, so there you go. That's my Memorial Day three things. Uh, it is. Uh, it's about eleven thirty at night. I'm gonna stop talking, uh, start assembling this episode, and get it out. So. Uh, that means here comes an ad, a quick ad break, and then we'll be right back where, where we're going to talk to my dad. Uh, so thanks for hanging out. We'll be right back. Wake up, wake up, wake up. There's no time for play. Get up, get up, get up. It's a brand new day. Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. I didn't uh, wake you up, did I? No, I just finished taking a shower. Oh, good. I'm glad I caught you at a clean time then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd hate to talk to you when you're dirty. Yeah, and and I didn't even take a nap on the bathroom floor when I got done. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm recording this and, uh, I'm going to put you on my podcast unless you tell me, no, don't do that. Yes, you can do that. All right. That's the answer I wanted. <laughs> how, how about if I put my teeth in though? So I sound right. I mean, th- this is not a visual podcast. And so far I couldn't tell you didn't have your teeth in. So you, you can't, I, I sound right. You sound like you. I mean, I could maybe tell if I was really like, uh, if you asked me to tell you whether I thought you had your teeth in or not, I would probably say not. But now that we've talked about this, uh, other people might know too. But no. Nope. Well, I'm gonna put them in. Okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever makes you more comfortable. Yeah, I've never done an interview without my teeth. Well. We started one, but you're never you're never gonna finish an interview without your teeth. Well, yeah. <laughs> we haven't started the interview yet, Evan. Well, I mean, this is all being recorded. I'll probably use this unless you're like, no, don't use that part without my teeth. <laughs> no, you can use it. <laughs> See if people can tell the difference now than when I first started. Yeah, I think people might be able to tell now that we've said that. Like if you didn't say anything, yeah. nobody would have noticed. Especially the S words. 
Right. Yes. Don't say the S word, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't say the S word. There's more than one. <laughs> right. Like uh, salamander. Yeah, like sound. I don't sound right without my teeth in. Right. And that's no shit either. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if I'd have said that without my teeth, it would have sounded a lot different. It have sounded like shit. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, have you been listening to uh, recent episodes of my podcast? I, I've listened to the one with the uh, guy from the Alamo House. Okay, yep. And I started to listen to one. Every time I start listening to one, something happens. What so the I quit starting. <laughs> Aren't, aren't you retired? Shouldn't, like, nothing be happening? There's all kinds of stuff happening. Yeah, you're getting pulled in multiple directions? Yeah. But it's a good thing. What are, what are you busy with? What directions are you getting pulled these days? Well, I, they just appointed me as a deacon of the church. Oh, and our pastor is on a sabbatical for the rest of the summer. And I've got different meetings almost every day this week with different people from the church. Hmm. And I, I mow the grass at the church, and uh, I mow grass for another lady. Oh, and I've been putting my garden in. Oh, you're back to gardening again this year. Yeah, I got, I got two plots this year. Okay. And I just, I just got a hold of a rojo. <laughs> a rojo? Is that a, is that, a, is that some sort of gas powered machine that uh, digs rows of stuff for a garden? It digs rows for garden. Well, no, but it, it it's like a, a plow or like a uh, tiller. Yeah. Without a motor. Oh. And it's really old and, you, and you, they're, they're really hard to find. Um, but there was, there's four or five people out at these gardens that have them this year. They're a really big deal for some reason, but they work great. Um, like mine has tines in the back of it, and you push it, and it, it plows it up pretty good. Hmm. Uh, you wouldn't do it like a fresh, you know, a place that's got grass and go into a garden. You would have to get a real tiller for that. Okay. But yeah. once it's tilled up and soft, and then you flip it. You know, you go in that direction, and you just flip it over and go back to the other direction. And the back of it, it's got these, not times, but just this wheel that turns up the dirt real good. And a blade that goes down under the dirt and cuts the weeds off, like three mm. or four inches underground. And is it really hard to push through there? I mean, I know your, gra your ground is already kind of... Uh, you know, disturbed, right? It's not fresh grass ground, but is it? It sounds like if there were weeds in there, it'd be hard to push it through those. Yeah, if if you got a lot of weeds, once it's once it's tilled up, that's when this thing is good. Yeah. Um, and you don't and it, and you don't need a cow to pull it. No, you. We are the cow. I am the cow. <laughs> you to, are the to cow. push it. <laughs> I'm the cow that pushes it. There you go. That's going to be the title of the uh, this podcast episode. I am the cow. <laughs> <laughs> that pushes right <laughs> but uh, it, I, this guy out there had one his name is joel kibbe now that's pretty good for me to remember his name 
Yeah. And he's the grandson of Jack Kibbe, who was for quite a few years a senator of Iowa. Oh. Anyway, he's a farmer, and he had one of these out there. And he showed me how great this thing works. And so I asked him, well, where can I get one of these? And he said, well, you can buy them new for 250 bucks. The only way to get one of these old ones is eBay or yard sales or something. Yeah. Well, the very next day, I went over to see my assistant pastor, and I was telling him about it. And he says, well, do you want one? I said, yeah, I'd love to have one. He <laughs> said, well, you can have mine. I said, well, where did you get one? He said, I just bought it for $2 at a yard sale. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me God doesn't work. That's it crazy. Sure works in my life. Hey, so what does the deacon of a church do, or in in your case anyway, what do you do as the deacon of the church in addition to mowing the grass and stuff? Well, it's the the pastor is on sabbatical, so he's not going to be doing any preaching. But we have an assistant pastor; he's going to be doing the preaching. Yeah. But we just kind of work with the church, the members of the church, and. You know, you go visit the sick and, and just pray with people and try to get new members and uh, all this stuff. Uh, but when he he brought me and one other guy up to appoint us as deacons, and he says, some churches elect deacons, but he doesn't do it that way. He prefers to appoint. And then he read in 1 Timothy, if anybody wants to check out what it requires to be a, a deacon, you can read in 1 Timothy. Um, what it takes to be a deacon. And when he read that, I thought, wow, <laughs> that is something else. Uh, huh. As far as, you know, you got integrity and all this. And I thought, well, yeah, I do qualify, which made me feel pretty good. But you just kind of do everything the church, uh, that the, the pastor would do if he was here. Yeah. Other than the preaching. I think of the when I think of deacons, I think of the of the people that uh, pass the plate around in the church. That's the usher. Oh, that's not a deacon. That's an usher. Yeah. Got it. Is it a paid position or something you do uh, just for without money? No, it's just it's a privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an it's an honor to be appointed a deacon, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised you've been honored for that. That makes sense. No, I'm not either. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen already. Well, he's been using me almost as a deacon. Right. Uh, now that he's taken, this is the first time he's taken a sabbatical in 16 years. Is this uh, Pastor Dave? Yeah. Yeah, so when I was out there, I met Pastor Dave a couple times, and uh, he seems like uh, he's got his irons in quite a few fires. Yeah, he's he's got all these these real estate properties that he rents out. He takes care of them. Uh, he's a farmer. He does most of the farming for a uh, a farmer that that does just uh, what do you call it? Uh, Sharecropping. No, you don't use uh, chemicals and stuff. Uh, or organic. Yeah, he's an organic farmer. He does most of the farming for that guy. Plus, he drives a truck for him for selling corn and all that stuff. And that keeps them really busy certain times of the year. Those all sound like full-time jobs. Yeah. He's, he's got like three full-time jobs <laughs> and, and a, just, and a family and a family. And, yeah. and he's a pastor of a church. 
and the pastor of a church. Yeah, some, <laughs> it, it makes sense. A sabbatical makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, and he, he is just worn out. He, he's burned out. Most churches require that the pastor take a sabbatical every seven years or so. Yeah. Just to get away from it. And, and otherwise, you get burned out. He's gone 16 years so far. And been a quite an interesting 16 years. Yeah. But he's a great guy. And I, I'm glad I found this church. So I had two big questions I wanted to ask you for the podcast. Uh, and it was, these are the two main reasons I wanted to talk to you specifically today. Uh, and, uh, the first one is, I mean, we're recording this late in the evening on Monday Memorial day. And, uh, yeah. as a, as a veteran, uh, as a person who served, uh, I I'm curious, uh, what does, like what goes through your mind on Memorial Day? Like what do you think about do, does do, is it a meaningful thing? I would assume it is, but I don't want to assume. I want uh, I want to know what Memorial Day means to you. Well, here in Emmitsburg, they uh they had a, a memorial thing at the BFW, which is a Veterans of Foreign Wars organization, which I'm a member of. But I don't go to the meetings. I didn't go to the thing today. And I don't, I like to honor veterans. And I am a veteran. I've got probably 15, 16 months of combat pay. Mm. But every bit of my combat pay was because I was in the war zone, but on a ship. And I just, it, it's really weird. Uh, I didn't. I, I saw Vietnam from a ship. I yeah. wasn't on the ground, and I wasn't, what do they call it, boots on the ground? Right. And I just really feel, when people talk to me, I, and and I, I don't like to wear something that says, well, I, I do put Navy veteran, Vietnam veteran. I'll wear that. But I would not wear something that just says Vietnam veteran. Um because when you talk to a veteran that's from Vietnam that was on the land, I mean, that's totally different. And I, I can remember when I was out on the gun line and we, oh, we had to, I think we had to be there six days out of the month and we would get a whole month's combat pay. Yeah. And we're getting the same combat pay that these guys are getting that are in combat. <laughs> so, and I never felt quite right about that. These guys should be getting a lot more. And I, I would rather honor them than people honoring me for being out on the ship. That makes sense. So being on the ship, I mean, it. I would imagine you didn't l lose somebody close to you, like a, 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 a fellow Navy, Navy man, seaman, uh, right? I mean, because like... You're all on the ship, right? If the ship didn't go down, you probably all made it back. Uh, do you think of anybody specific that died in 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 service on Memorial Day? Uh, on Memorial Day? Yeah. Well, uh, there was one guy that died on our ship, and he died because he was an alcoholic drug addict. Oh. And he was he could not go ashore. He was what do you call it? Uh, he could not leave the ship. 
he he was grounded. <laughs> Actually, he was he was not grounded. He was shipped. <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, somehow he got drunk on the ship and jumped overboard and was going to swim to land because we were in Thailand or Taiwan, and you anchor out and you have to take a liberty boat in. Yeah. Well, he couldn't get past the quarter deck to get on a liberty boat, so he was going to swim ashore. And they never found his body until the day we were leaving there. And as soon as they started the ship up, his body was caught on the propellers under the ship. Oh, my gosh. And he had a brother on the ship. And once his body came to the service, they got him and they put him in a, put him in a body bag and kept him in the freezer on the ship until we got into port. Wow. That's the only person we lost. <laughs> so... No, he wasn't. He didn't, we didn't lose him in combat. So Memorial Day, uh, the day that we honor uh, military personnel who died in the performance of their military duties, it's not really for that guy too much. No, no, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, and there was a lot more uh, soldiers with boots on the ground that uh, I mean, I'm sure those guys all think of specific people, right? When they think of Memorial day, when they are memorializing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I put myself probably in the same category as you are. I, I honor the people that put their lives in real danger for our country. Yeah. And, and dealt with that for a year or two years at a time, living in the jungle and people dying all around them. I, I don't, I don't know if I could have dealt with that or not. And I got a lot of respect for any man that's gone through that and then still be able to come back here and live a normal life. Mm -hmm. A lot of them can't. A lot of them don't. And uh, and we honor those that are still living on Veterans Day, right? Memorial Day is for those that are fallen. Yeah, I guess so, I never really so te distinguished. Technically, it, yeah. yeah, technically, I think a lot of people don't know the difference, right? Uh, I, I'll be honest. I Googled it just now to make sure I got it right. Uh, but yeah, Memorial Day is to honor the military personnel who have died in the performance of their military duties. And Veterans Day is to honor the veterans that we have with us. I mean, all veterans, right? Yeah, I feel more comfortable with honoring that day. Yeah, yes, I do see the difference. And I recognize it on Veterans Day. Right. But Memorial Day, yeah, that's that's totally different. That's people that died, and and I always felt like when I talk about people that served in Vietnam, I felt I didn't I didn't really, and I can't compare myself to somebody in the Army, the Marines, or and it's to me the the way I kind of kind of the same thing. It seems like I've always been, like, if, when I tell somebody I'm a biker, that I love riding bikes, well, what kind of Harley do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have a Harley. Well, then you're not a biker, <laughs> you know? Right. And it's kind of the same thing. I'm a Vietnam veteran, but I was on a ship. So I'm not, it's, it's totally different, and I always felt, you know, I'm just a little bit dollar late and a dollar short. Yeah, like you... Probably rarely felt like you were actually, you know, vulnerable or in harm's way, right? But I mean, you guys on the ship had a job to do 
in supporting those on the ground, right? Like firing harassment fire and stuff to keep the enemy awake at night so that our military could go in and, you know, uh, be, oh, yeah. be I, victorious or whatever. I, I remember my first night on the coast of Vietnam and we're close enough that we can see land. Uh, but that first night, it was like being out on the ship and watching fireworks. And I can remember you could hear helicopters flying around, but you couldn't see where they were because they would have their lights off. Yeah. And you would see tracer rounds from these helicopters shooting down, like every 10th round or 15th round or something is a tracer round so yep. they can see what direction they're going. But you would also see tracer rounds shooting at the helicopters. And we saw two of them get blown out of the sky that night. Oh, man. I mean, that's that's a Vietnam veteran. Your helicopter pilots are probably the biggest heroes. They, they had the shortest uh, uh, life expectancy over there. No kidding. The more I learn about uh, helicopter pilots in Vietnam, oh, my gosh, the more respect I have for those and th those guys. And th those guys, they felt like it was a calling, and they had a duty to do to get people get people in, get people out. And, I mean, the crazy stuff they had to do to accomplish those missions is just kind of insane. Yeah, I've got a classmate that was a helicopter pilot. And I don't know if you saw that the, the memorial in Emmitsburg here. Yep, I saw it right by the uh, train tracks. Yeah, yeah. and there's a helicopter in there, and that was John Van Osbury's helicopter, who was a classmate of mine. Hmm. And every time I hear, I forget the, the show that was on TV for quite a while. MASH? No, that's Korean. No, it wasn't MASH. It was, it was another one. China Beach? China Beach. That's my one of my favorite shows that about Vietnam, but I don't think you can even get reruns of it anymore. Yeah, I don't know where you might find that. Look it up, kids at home. Uh, China Beach. It was a fantastic show. I remember watching yeah, it with you to, and mom. Yeah, and the biggest sound on that show. Every time I hear a helicopter on there, man, it brought back memories. And we used to refuel and or not refuel, but get uh, uh, food and uh, replenishments from helicopters that would lower it down on our deck in the back. Yeah. And just the sound of them helicopters, just, uh, to me, if I hear a helicopter, that, that's Vietnam all over again. Right. For a long time on Memorial Day, uh, you guys would do, you, you guys that had motorcycles, Harleys or not, would gather and ride uh, the the Rolling Thunder, right? Uh, and that was always very much tied into specifically Vietnam vets, right? I'm sure there was vets of all, or uh, you know, memorializing people from all wars, but specifically the MIAs and the POWs and stuff, right, from Vietnam, because that's where yeah, that, it was, that ride always sort of culminated yeah, was, right around there, the Vietnam uh, War yeah, Memorial. Yeah, that was specifically for POWs and MIAs and from Vietnam and it was called Rolling Thunder because it started out in California and they would pick up riders all the way to Washington DC from every state hmm. and Memorial Day there was right around a million motorcycles in Washington DC and then that's, that's when they did the, the run for the wall they call it yeah where you leave the Pentagon parking lot and uh, up to the Vietnam Memorial. And it was like three to three and a half hours of motorcycles pulling out of the the um, Pentagon parking lot. 
Yep. I never got to ride a motorcycle in it. I did ride my bicycle along with it one time, which I think the guys on motorcycles, they were kind of annoyed with me uh, for doing that. But uh, I went downtown and saw it a whole bunch uh, of times, but I never got to ride in it. Yeah, James and Candy and I went just about every year and yeah. would go and watch it. And James, James and I kept saying, wouldn't it be neat to have a bike and ride in this? And we did ride in it three years. For the one year, Chester rode with me. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, and we got to the Pentagon parking lot, like probably 1030, 10, somewhere around there. And there was already thousands of motorcycles in the parking lot. And they put you in line. And then you sit there until 12 o'clock, and then they start pulling out. Yeah. Well, James and I think Dylan, yeah, Dylan rode behind James. Right. And then Chester and I, and we just left our bikes there and walked up this big hill. And she could look down at all these bikes and everything. <laughs> they started rolling out of there at 12 o'clock. And uh, Chester said, well, you better get down there. I said, no, Chester, it's going to be a few hours before we leave. <laughs> <laughs> before they get to where we're at. And it was like two and a half, three hours of bikes pulling out of there, two and three bikes wide. Yeah. Before we, it was almost three o'clock before we pulled out of there. That's and there lot. was quite a few bikes behind us. That's a lot of bikes. Yeah, and there's already thousands of bikes downtown parked that didn't even ride mm -hmm. in it because yep. they didn't. But the last year we did it, they had so many motorcycles had to park in the bit. The uh, Pentagon parking lot was packed, and they were park. They were parking us out on the highway. Wow! And there was four of us, and we finally said, "This is crazy." It took us about a half an hour to get out of line, and we went up riding in the mountains. So we didn't ride it that year. We had done it two or three times already, so. We weren't going to wait that long. Right. <laughs> and it was really hot that day. I think I might have been with you on that day because I remember we went downtown and then we abandoned ship <laughs> and uh, uh, went out and rode out to like Berryville or something and got ice cream. Yeah, you were with, yeah, Chris Call. And yep, I remember that day. That was fun. Was Angela with you? Yep, Angela was on the back. I was, yeah. ride, I was yeah. riding your Suzuki Cavalcade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the final year that we went there, but we didn't ride in it because we got stuck out on the highway waiting. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot more fun that hot day out riding. Yeah, you, you want you want some wind uh, on a hot day like that because it was like 90 or something. Yeah, you sit there for three or four hours sitting on your bike waiting <laughs> yep. to go five miles an hour through Washington, D.C., Right. They didn't have it this year. No, I don't think they do it anymore. I think no, they, they, they don't do it, it at last all. Year. Yeah. They just decided it, it was enough. And it would get very little press. And they, uh, is the POWs and MIAs, are, are, are there still American soldiers over there? Like, is that still something uh, that we have to deal with? Like, is that a thing? Still? Yeah, they claim there's still people that haven't been uh, identified or found. Or so MIAs that makes sense, right? Like, but I mean, yeah. there's no. Are there so I, American soldiers over there still alive as prisoners of war? I I would doubt there's any POWs anymore. Nobody's going to live that long in a POW camp, right? 
but there's still some missing. And the missing in action is the biggest thing. Yeah. All right. The other question I wanted to ask, uh, you, you were on my podcast a couple times last year, but, uh, you, you have, uh, you've had a major event happen since then. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sure podcast listeners that have been listening the whole time are curious, uh, how you're doing since COVID. And I, I, my specific question for you is how did COVID change you? If it changed you at all? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's yeah. When you're that close to death, in fact, I told the doctors there was doctors and nurses and everybody else in that room. I told I'm ready to go. <laughs> I said I want to go. I want to be with my Jesus. <laughs> they said, Well, maybe he's not ready for you. And my thought was, Well, he better get ready because I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot deal with this anymore. And I I can remember at the time. I, I'm trying to choose between do I want to stay here and hopefully see my family again or am I ready to go? And when I thought about putting that machine back on me to try and keep me alive, if that's what it's going to take, I'm ready to go. I, I just I, I couldn't deal with that machine anymore. And, yeah. And, um, but that's a tough decision to make. But I, I did come to the conclusion that I'd load my family, but... <laughs> I don't know that, and I felt bad after that. That, but I, but I felt at the same time that I'm going to make it through this. And if I don't, I'm going to be with my creator. It's sort of a win-win. Yeah. How uh, how has your life been different since you know coming out on the other side of that experience? Uh, well, it was quite a few months before I was back to normal. <laughs> I don't know if I'm normal yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I, I, I forget stuff. Um, like this week, I had to meet, I, I was scheduled to meet with two different guys from the church. Uh, one of them is a, a fairly new member. He was an alcoholic, uh, quit drinking. Uh, but came to us last Sunday and said he was able to quit drinking. He did, had no problem with that, but couldn't quit smoking. And so I asked him, can we get together sometime this week? I'll give you my testimony on how I quit smoking, and maybe that'll help you. And he was really looking forward to we were going to get together some night this day this week, this last week, but it, it never happened. Uh, and then there was another guy uh, who I, I'm not sure – what kind of illness he's in a wheelchair mainly to get around but he can walk but not very far he's yeah. really sick he's in pain all the time got a lot of things wrong with him and he just asked me last sunday well actually it was a sunday that we was appointed deacons because they brought us up in front of the whole congregation and appointed as deacons and i've gone to this guy before because uh, he sits at home alone and it just i told him you know if you ever want oh i stopped and saw him out in his garden one day and he's having difficulty doing anything and I told him I said you need any help anytime just give me a call I'll be glad to come over and help you but he reached out to me that Sunday and said we need to get together sometime this week for coffee and just chat so I got these two guys that during the week I was trying to 
to uh, coordinate something to get together with both of them. Yeah. And then I got them confused, and I, I texted one of them. I said, I've got Thursday and Friday available, or tomorrow and Friday, whatever days. And he said, well, I've got chemo on Wednesday, so it depends on how I feel on Thursday. Well, I thought it was the guy that that didn't have cancer, and I got the two of them mixed up. And then, anyway, one of them said, we'll meet it Saturday at 12 o'clock. And I, it was Tom, uh, and I, I remember clearly him, a text that said 10 o'clock Saturday, or no, uh, noon on Saturday. And then I'm thinking, this is the one with chemo, and I'm telling somebody else, I didn't know this guy had cancer. <laughs> they said, well, he doesn't. But I had them too confused, and I could not straighten it out. But I went over at noontime to Tom's house, and he was out in his garden working, so I stopped and visited with him, and I finally asked him, was I supposed to, did we make arrangements to meet today at 12 o'clock? Because he acted like he was surprised to see me. <laughs> and he said no. And so on Sunday, I asked this other guy, because he never did get back to me. We never did meet. And he's the one that's got cancer, and he quit drinking and all this. And so I asked him Sunday at church, were we supposed to meet on Sunday? And he said, no. He said, I've just been really, really ill this week and just didn't get back to you and apologize for it. But I swear, and I cannot find the text that said we were going to meet at 12 o'clock on Saturday. But I know for a fact that one of them did that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe they're the forgetful ones, not you. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> but which one? <laughs> but stuff like that, I just, I can't keep stuff straight. And... and I mean, and the, and you noticed a a difference in that after COVID. Like that's something that's worse than it was before. Yeah, yeah. Because I was a member of Kiwanis, and before this whole pandemic thing started, they asked me to become president for of the Kiwanis for Emmitsburg, and. I agreed to do it, and then it was right after that, before our next meeting, that this uh, COVID came out and the pandemic. So we never met again until just a few last months. We yeah. finally met again. But I, I saw several of them, uh, and I told them, I said, there's just no way I could take over as president. And uh, I mean, I, I couldn't keep stuff straight. And it was just really, because uh, one of them, because I wasn't, they were doing, doing uh, meetings on uh, what's what's that thing on, on the computer that you use for meetings? Zoom? Zoom, yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like dealing with that as far as their meetings, so I wasn't going to any of them. Right. But once they had an actual meeting, I went to that. But I saw one of the guys, actually the guy that got me into Kiwanis, he asked me, uh, if you quit Kiwanis, I said, well, let me be honest with you. I said, no, I want to continue with Kiwanis, but I do not want to be president. I, I cannot deal with that. And he said, I understand that completely. Because he knows me real well, and he, he had been talking to Elaine and Patty and all, ever since this happened with yeah. me. And so he knew what was going on with me. And he said, no, nobody's going to press you to, to, to uh, be the, the uh, to be president. President, yeah. See, 
stuff like that. I can't I couldn't remember the word president. <laughs> just little stuff like that, and it just drives me nuts. I can't. It's hard to have a conversation with somebody because I don't remember simple words. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're doing fine. I, tonight, for some reason, now you caught me. Caught me at a good time, I guess. I don't know. Just got out of the shower. You, you sound, <laughs> yeah, you sound bubbly and excited and happy and stuff. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was calling you too late. I thought you might be in bed. <laughs> Excuse me. I figured if you answer great, if not, I'll call somebody else. But uh, yeah, you sound chipper. Well, if you'd have called me 20 minutes sooner, I was sitting there half asleep watching TV and <laughs> ready to go to bed. But I, I, I needed a shower, so I. Took a shower and felt great. Yeah, just like we know what we're doing, huh? Yeah, just like we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so it's it's three things, right? And now I'm going to uh, press you to come up with three things uh, before I let you go. Uh, so <laughs> That's the one I'm going to have trouble with. Uh, you got this. I'm sure you do. Uh, so thing number one, something... Something deep and meaningful, some deep thought you may have had recently or something, some epiphany, something meaningful. I mean, anything like that at all. Any, uh, anything come to mind when I say that? Uh, I, I guess the, the biggest thing is I know for a fact that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Okay. I'm going to be with my creator. I know that for a fact. Because I've received the spirit of God. And that's the only way anybody can know. And the Bible says that. That without the spirit of God, all of this is foolishness to those that do not believe. And I know that for a fact because that's the way I felt about it. When people are trying to tell me about the Bible, and this, you guys are crazy. And even when I first started reading the Bible, I thought, wow, this is ridiculous, these stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was not until the day somebody prayed for the Spirit of God to come into me, and I prayed for it, and it happened. And it, it's, it's a totally different thing. It's it just all of a sudden, I didn't change my mind. I had to change a heart. And that's what they prayed, was the Spirit of God would meet with my spirit and... My life since that point is it's kind of walking with the Spirit of God in me, in my heart, walking with the Son of God through life here, and we're going to meet the Father. And I'm trying to bring as many people with me as I can. And that's why I'm here. And I believe that's why he didn't take me home when I was ready to go. I want to... My biggest thing in life is I want to bring as many people with me as I can and convince people to pray and ask for the Spirit of God to touch their spirit and have what I have. And, and you, you're not going to get it because you want it or you think you might like it or anything else. God knows your heart. And if you ask him to prove that he exists, he'll do it. Uh, but he knows your heart if you really want to. And I kept telling him, I said, you know, if you're real, you need to make yourself known to me. And the only way he does that is through receiving the Spirit of God. And my biggest problem is I don't know what it's going to be like when I get there. And you 
and other non-believers are not going to be there. How how am I going to enjoy heaven without you there and that, without Albert there? That's and, exactly the thought that I just had. Was, I mean, uh, when I, when I realized I did not believe in God, which means I'm atheist, right? Uh, when I realized that uh, and accepted that as as who I am, uh, I I always have said since then that. I'm not opposed to the idea of believing in God. I just would need to see some proof, some actual proof. Uh, I haven't yet to see it, right? So uh, unless that happens, uh, I, I won't be in heaven. And yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question was, how is that heaven for you if the people you want to be in heaven aren't there? Well, I can't, I can't speak for God. I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm not, I know I'm not going to be sad in heaven because you're not there, if you're not there. Because uh, it says that in heaven, once you die and you're with your creator, there's no more, no more sorrow, no more tears. And so I don't know. I, I can't explain how God's going to do it. If I could explain God, he wouldn't be much of a God. <laughs> you know, sure. He'd be on the same par as me. His ways are higher than my ways, and I can't explain them. But in, in this this faith thing, it's not something I decided to have faith in this. It's just all of a sudden I've got this faith. I know for a fact. I mean, and, and the only th way that can happen is if the Spirit of God hits your spirit and convinces you of it. It's, I, you know, we, we obviously feel very differently about all this, but on what you just said, I think we can both agree it's not a decision you can just make. It's no. it's it, it it's not that easy. It's not a brain thing. It's something else. Yeah, it's and totally it, different. It happened for you, and you know, if it happens for me, I'll tell the whole world about it. It hasn't happened yet, but there you go. Well, you've got to be open to it. Uh, in fact, and I think I've explained it before. I I came to a point in my life. Well, I have to have a reason for being here. I'm out of here. I'm done playing this stupid ass game that we're playing down here trying to keep up with the Joneses and make enough money to pay the bills and all this. If that's life and then you die, I'm done. <laughs> and I was dead serious. Now, I started drinking pretty heavy and going across four lanes of highway. And if I made it to my car, I made it. If I didn't, I didn't. I didn't care. And, and I just started praying to, if there is a God, you know, make yourself known to me. And, uh, how, how'd I put it? Um, uh, You know, I, I, I need I need proof. I need some kind of proof. And I figured the, the best answers might come from the Bible. But I was brought up in a religion. I was brought not, not brought up in a relationship with our Creator, with, with Jesus. And the answers weren't there. And I, I, I actually got rid of my Bible because the answers were not there. Uh, it was just a bunch of stupid stories, and God created man, created the devil, wait till we all got so bad, killed us all, and started over again. Well, that's stupid. And, I mean, it was, and I just quit reading it. But I started reading from page one, and I didn't have any, any fellowship with other men or anybody else helping me with it. I just figured this is between me and the Bible, and maybe this has got the answer, but it didn't. I got rid of it. But then when I went through that Alpha course, Introduction to Christianity, and the difference in a religion and a relationship.
And that's the problem now. Most people think you're going to find it at church. Well, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And it's just, you can go to church seven days, which I did for how many years, going to 12 years of Catholic school and all that. I got plenty of religion. And when I left home, I didn't have to go to church anymore, so I didn't for 30 years. But then I found that you could have a relationship. And Christianity is God coming down and making a way for us to come to him. Religion is man trying to make his way to God. And it's impossible. So I don't know uh, when you'll get a chance to do this, but you should go back and I think it's two episodes ago. Uh, I uh, I cold called Dean Farrell. Uh, you might remember him from Amicus Seventh yeah. Day Adventist Church. Uh, he's living out in Washington now, Washington State. Him and Blanca, uh, they uh, they haven't been going to the Philippines like they used to just because of the pandemic. But uh, they're uh, you know Dean is the uh, Dean's exactly as you remember him. Uh, so you might be interested in hearing that uh, that interview. But uh, which episode is that? Do you remember? Uh, uh, gosh, way to put me on the spot on my own podcast. Uh, well, did I remember the name of it? Uh, yes. Uh, one less drunk with Dean Farrell. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I remember seeing it and I was going to listen to it and then just, I don't know if, did I have COVID at the time? I <laughs> but I never thought of it again until just now when you mentioned it, but I remember seeing something about it or something. And I thought, wow, that's when I really want to listen to it. So this ep this episode is going to be number 59. Last week was uh, where I talked about my uh, comedy gig that uh, I got some hate mail on. And the episode before that was episode 57 with Dean Farrell. So one, oh, okay. one less drunk with Dean Farrell, which is a uh, the title of the episode is a reference to a joke he tells in the episode. So that's, that was way before uh, the was, one with the, the world. John Worrell? No, that was the John Worrell came first. Dean Farrell was just literally two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yep. So very recent. Wow. Yep. Hey, yeah. I knew you could come up with something deep and meaningful. Uh, that wasn't any uh, difficulty for you at all. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get any deeper than that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. The meaning of life. I mean, there you go. So, uh, Life makes no sense without God. <laughs> there you go uh thing number two is uh i want to know what's inspiring you right now and usually when i say that to people when i cold call them like this and they don't have any time to think about it or prepare uh, i i tell you that normally thing number two when i'm doing it is like a a song or a band or a show or a book or something like that uh that is uh some kind of art or creation or something like that that is inspiring you anything anything like that even if it's just a song you've been enjoying recently anything at all like that well actually there's a, a book i'm reading right now uh that i read like a chapter or two every night and i'm i'm just it's kind of like a a thing i do in my prayer you, you saw my prayer room right yep yep <laughs> i saw your prayer room when i was there i go in there at night and i read one or two chapters of this uh book it's called the sun in my eyes and it's all about, uh, well, it says seeing the light of Jesus in Vietnam. Hmm. And this Maya Spencer, uh, 
she was Vietnamese during the war. She married an American soldier, and she was Buddhist, and how her family was all Buddhist, and just her life, and how she felt that God was with her and helping her through most of her life, but didn't become a Christian until pretty late in life. And then she had a, a son that committed suicide and a daughter that died from uh, cancer or something. And it's just, it's just a really good book. And I just really look forward every night to going in and just reading a chapter or two. Yeah. Is it like her autobiography or is it more? Story? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to get it finished too, because Beth told me about a book that I, I ordered that I really looking forward to read. Ooh, I, I bet I know what it's called. I bet you do too. The Warmth of Other Suns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the middle of listening to it. I'm doing, I do mostly audio books these days cause I don't have time to sit and read, uh, but I do plenty of driving. So I listen to my books now and yeah, I'm about three hours into that. Uh, and it's like a 20 hour book and it is every bit as good as mom said it would be. And it's excellent. So yeah, you, you, you should be excited to read that. Yeah. I read, I read, I started it, but I'm reading this other one at the same time. And I just want to wait until I finish this other one. Yeah. And just, I don't want to be reading two at the same time. This one sounded so good. Yeah. And once, I really want to, once really you want to concentrate on it, maybe even take notes. Yeah. Once you start reading this book, it's one of those books where you're like, you don't want to be distracted by, by listening to other things. Uh, you know, yeah. so, uh, whenever, when I get into a book like that, I'll listen to fewer podcasts. I'll listen to less music when I'm driving. And I just want to listen to that book. Like, and I just, because it's, I'm basically do it when I'm driving. So it makes me want to go on road trips. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like is going out to first Island and reading. Yeah. It's just been too cold to do that so far. And finally next week, about the time I finish this other book, <laughs> it'll be warm enough to go out to first island and just sit and read yep uh for the for the longtime listeners of the podcast i did an episode from dad's reading spot on first island yeah. when i was out there uh when you were knocking on death's door so uh <laughs> there it all, you got it all comes full circle um all right uh thing number three is usually the hardest for people uh just tell me something stupid or goofy or dumb or something like that Hmm. There's been a lot of stuff here lately. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of dumb stuff going on for sure. Um, a joke you heard at morning coffee, uh, anything like that? It could I mean the 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 dumber the better, but it doesn't have to be like the dumbest thing ever. Just something silly. I don't. My my favorite thing to do is, well, not my favorite thing to do, but uh, one thing I like doing is every time I'm around somebody, and I see a picture of the Last Supper. Yeah. And I, in fact, I did it this afternoon. <laughs> we was at a cookout, uh, and at this cookout, it was Amy and her family and. Her husband, Alan's mother and father, her mother and stepfather, um, at their house. 
and there was three sets of twins there, Elaine and I, and Paisley and Zach, yeah. and Paisley's boyfriend and his sister. So we got a picture of the three sets of twins, and it's all boy-girl twins. Yeah. Anyway, it was Alan's mother. She had a, had a picture of the Last Supper in her living room. And I asked her, I said, you know what Jesus' words were to his disciples after they finished eating? And she said, yeah. <laughs> and Elaine had already told her. So that didn't work. So then Amy was in there, and I took Amy over, and, and just as serious as can be, I said, Amy, you know the Last Supper here. I said, do you know what Jesus' words were to his disciples there after they finished eating? And she said, no, what? And she thought it was going to be something really serious. And I said, he just looked at everybody and he says, okay, anybody that wants to get in the picture, get on this side of the table. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's perfect. She thought that was so funny. <laughs> and everybody I tell you, it doesn't matter if they're believers or non-believers or how religious they are or anything. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's funny. It, it is funny because I've definitely had that thought about that painting. Like, why are they all sitting on one side of the table? Yeah. yeah. Why they were getting ready for the picture. Yeah. <laughs> and how did they stay in those positions so long? Because they didn't have cameras. I mean, that was a painting. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had the, there was, and there's some crazy poses going on. Those guys had to hold that probably for four or five hours easy. Oh, you couldn't paint that in four or five hours. That'd take a whole day. Yeah. A whole, <laughs> yeah, exactly. People? They probably had to do multiple paint like sessions, right? Like, I mean, a, yeah, I would think maybe a couple hours a day. Yeah, yeah, like three or four or five days in a row, like a whole week of spending every day in your crazy Last Supper position. It's weird that that's how they present the Last Supper. I, I guess they had to do Jesus's uh, pose like the first day uh, of the painting, right? Yeah, maybe they just did a few a day. Well, I mean, because that was the Last Supper, so, I mean, Jesus wasn't around for the rest of the days well, of the yeah. painting. <laughs> uh, maybe he came back three days later for some touch-ups, probably. That could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had to come back for some reason. <coughs> Ah, uh, that's that's finish great. that painting. Yeah, are you done yet? Are you done yet? I gotta go see my dad. Yeah, but I'm gonna send a comforter here, but he's not gonna be in the picture. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, hey, I think I did good on the three things. You, that's yeah. This is a pretty epic three things, Dad. <laughs> um, uh, that's pretty great. Um, it's, it's 11 o'clock here on Monday night and I got to get started editing this and adding my own little stuff to it. So, uh, thank you for being awake and, uh, after your shower and being chipper and willing yeah, to do thanks. this. Uh, thanks for not telling me you were going to do it or I'd have been trying to think of things and then I'd have messed it all up. I was, I had a text typed out and ready to send. All it was, was, are you up? Uh, but if you had answered yes, I would have told you what I wanted to do. And uh, and I was like, nope, I'm just going to call him. And if, it, if he answers, yeah. he answers. If he doesn't, I'll move on. So, yeah, just just do it. That's that's the kind of the magic of this part of uh, like doing this on the show is just like surprising people and making them a guest on a podcast. It's fun. But the, the, the church here has learned that about me, that if you want me to get up and speak about something, don't tell me that you're going to do it. Yeah. Some Sunday just. Elder, come up here a minute. 
<laughs> what do you think of this or that? And then, boy, I'll just let it go. There you, there <laughs> but you. if I had to think about it, I would mess it all up. Right? Yeah, you're quick on your feet. You're good at extemporaneous uh, speaking and uh, and just being in the moment. And that's uh, that's a that's a cool thing to be able to do. Well, listen, listen to this one. Compared it to the last time you interviewed me, when I knew it was coming and I prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, and it sounded like crap. You prepared for it, and I thought you and I had had a conversation. I called you and said, "Hey, this is what I want to do." And we talked about what we were going to do. And then we both prepared for it, but we both prepared totally different things. Uh, Like I was prepared to talk about one thing and you had a whole different thing. And we just kept button heads on just what we wanted to talk about. And it was like, oh, we we prepared for two different conversations. Right. We had totally. (laughs) Yeah. The whole thing didn't make any sense. Right. Yep. No, this was, uh, I think this will be a much more uh, enlightening and entertaining episode for anybody that listens. So, uh, hey, Dad, I love you. Thank you for answering. I'm going to go edit this podcast down. It'll be uh, it'll be out tomorrow. Good. I'll be glad to. I'll be looking forward to listening to it. Sweet. And thanks for calling and, and especially calling after a good shit shower, shave and shampoo. Woohoo! That's when I'm in my best. I am so glad you have your teeth in for that. Yeah, I did have to put my teeth back in. <laughs> hey, for the audience at home, take your teeth out and say shit, shower, shave, and shampoo. So glad you called after I took a shit, shower, shave, and shampoo. <laughs> yeah, it sounds different. <laughs> yeah. We can tell now. The, yeah. the shit and shower and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you have to think about it more because you just your lips are loose, so you got to control them. Yeah, and your, your tongue's not hitting the roof of your mouth. It's hitting something else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dad, I love Say hello to everybody there for me. I will. I look forward to seeing you guys in September, and uh, love you guys, and uh, love you, and I'll talk to you later. Love you, too, and look forward to uh, uh, go to bed some night and pray for the Spirit of God to hit you. I want to, I want to see you in heaven someday. Well, I, I can't promise I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's why he left me here to make to make sure I bring you along with me. There you go. You you do I'm the praying. Convinced. You do the praying. I'll wait for it to happen. Okay. It's going to happen. Be ready. I'll, I'm ready. Okay. I, I'm an open-minded person. Good. That's what it takes. There you go. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Dad. Love, Love you. you. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. Wow. All right. So that was my Memorial Day conversation with my dad, Eldon Michael Stoffel from Emmitsburg, Iowa. I cold called my dad and put him on a podcast. Uh, And as we talked about there in the show, in the interview, I've had a dad on twice now, uh, maybe just once. And the other time we were talking about that, like Father's Day last year, we honored my dad, but I don't think I talked to him. And then I had dad on the show. And it was not the greatest show. Uh, I don't even recommend you go back and listen to it. Uh, just don't do it. It's still it's there. If you want to go find it, you can. But this is this is my dad. Uh, Post COVID, uh, he's back to being the dad I remember him being. And uh, boy, it was just a nice time. I haven't talked to him. It's been a few weeks. We've texted a few times. We've stayed in touch. Uh, and I talked to my dad way more often ever since he got sick back in, uh, he got sick right around Thanksgiving 
And uh, I've been in more consistent touch with dad because, uh, you know, uh, I realized that uh, he's not going to be around forever. So uh, really nice getting uh, getting to talk to dad tonight. And uh, boy, he was in great spirits and a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, this is uh, this is Jr. over and out with three things with Jr. Uh, have a great night. Have a good day. I love you all. We'll see you next week. Hey.